and welcome to the 73rd episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me, as always, is Roger Ratner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So this week, we've invited Mike Dano onto the podcast. Mike is the Editorial Director of 5G and Mobile Strategies at Light Reading. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Long-time listener, second-time caller. Absolutely. Third time you get a, an inflatable washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Mike, recently you wrote an article titled Inside the Messy World of T-Mobile's Mid-Band 5G Spectrum Licenses. Can you tell us a little bit about what you wrote? Oh, yeah. It gets real down into the weeds real fast. But, you know, it, it basically uh, was looking at the Spectrum licenses that underpin T-Mobile's big, you know, mid-band 5G network, basically the network that they're, you know, they're putting all their eggs into that basket. They're, they're really advertising that network hard, spending billions of dollars building it out. But what I think is so interesting is that, that here, you know, here's this network where they, they actually don't own those spectrum licenses, you know, Verizon and AT&T and lots of other carriers that, they, you know, they just own, straight up own the license, you know, for however long the term is from the FCC. But in this particular band, due to the weird licensing nature and its weird history, is that the licenses are, are actually not owned by T-Mobile. And instead, they're owned by all these like random colleges and high schools and like church groups and stuff are the actual owners of these licenses. And T-Mobile just uh, leases them. And so the, the article kind of d- d- dove into that and, and how that is is really weird and how the rules around that are changing and really creating this like weird situation where T-Mobile wants to be a, a, a license owner, but is it currently a renter? And could somebody buy out the licenses right out from underneath T-Mobile so that so that they're the, the landlord of T-Mobile's uh, Spectrum licenses? Yeah, well, they, they own some of it, right? Right. There is the there is the education broadband services, the EBS, where they don't own a lot, and there's the BRS part of that spectrum, where where they own a lot of things. Yeah, and all their other licenses. You know, there's 600 licenses and all the PCS stuff that they've got. Like they own all that stuff. I'm assuming. Yes. But this is this is a different and sort of unique band. And now this is a holdover from Clearwire, correct? I believe so. I think that there, yeah. So, yeah. So it was. I think Nextel did a little bit of uh, of these leases, and then a lot of Clearwire, and then some Sprint, and then T-Mobile just sort of inherited all that. Yeah, and and because Nextel, Nextel was a huge owner of this, and Nextel just historically has been a a genius in taking basically useless spectrum and clobbering it together and, and turning it to gold. Their Eigen system in, in 800 was exactly the same story, where you know they, they bought it out. And so T-Mobile owns a lot of that, but not all of it. And, and they want to own more. And you know not only do they want to buy out the current holders, but there is a 2.5 gig spectrum auction coming up. Where T-Mobile will most likely bid, like there's no tomorrow, and others will probably play party poopers, right? Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly, I think. Quite likely, you know, somebody will 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 play hardball there. So, so what did you find? I, I thought it was very interesting when when you wrote that one of the 
the organizations wanted to sell their license. They got a bid. They went to the bid to T-Mobile, and and what happened then? Yeah, and got a and it got a much lower bid. So, yeah, that's that's what's really interesting. And a lawsuit, right? They got a lower bid and a lawsuit, <laughs> right? Basically, a uh, an offer you can't refuse kind of offer here. It looks like is that yeah, the FCC changed their rules in a thing that went into effect in 2020. And so now all the all these weird educational institutions, the high schools and the colleges and churches and stuff who actually own these licenses now can sell them, which creates a, a very interesting position for T-Mobile because, you know, obviously T-Mobile would want to buy those licenses instead, you know, to be to become a, an owner rather than a renter. But it also opens up the potential for other <laughs> people to come in and buy those licenses. And so that's exactly what happened. There's a investment company called WCO came in and basically wanted to outbid T-Mobile for its own licenses. So they offered one of the few colleges that have come forward in this whole thing is a is a college called the the Christian College of Georgia. So this weird investment company named WCO offered them 5.5 million dollars for their license. And they said, "Hey, that's great. I wonder if T-Mobile will pay even more." So they went to T-Mobile and T-Mobile gave them 1 million dollars. So a fifth of the offer and then also said, oh, and if you don't buy or if you don't sell it to us, we'll sue you is essentially what the college is alleging. So it's interesting times in the in the 2.5 gigahertz uh, spectrum licensing world. Yeah, that that sounds awfully familiar to what Cox is going through, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, T-Mobile plays hardball, I guess. Yeah, the the, the new T-Mobile plays hardball. Yeah. In every way, you know. That's fascinating. Yeah, that whole Cox thing is just so interesting too. I mean, here's here's this cable company that's basically trying to launch mobile services through Verizon, and T-Mobile, you know, swoops in and essentially sues them to stop doing that because they had a prior agreement. Yeah, if, if they deal fair and reasonably, right? And T-Mobile was like ninety million more expensive on the base price, which was like roughly a third more or fifty percent more than what what they would have to pay at at Verizon. I think they went into appeals and and that's now grinding itself through the system, which I thought was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting days in, in wireless with, you know, some people thought like competition would get less with three players. It certainly got a lot more competitive in that field. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of interesting competition going on. It seems like the... You know, they compete against each other in the market, obviously, but lots of additional competition going on in, in courtrooms and in other venues. Yeah. So maybe we can switch tracks. You know, we at, at Recon Analytics, we did a, a study on, on fixed broadband for AT&T as part of their multi-gig launch uh, and ahead of it. And we found some really cool insights and AT&T allowed us to actually share that with with people and with with journalists and one of them you know is you what are some of the the data points that you saw in this in that study that you thought were were like interesting yeah there's a lot of interesting things to pull out of there i think i had a really good time going through all the all the data points that were that are in here 
I just wrote down a, a few of the ones that I thought were the most interesting. Like one of the things that was about the, the idea of the value of a reliable internet connection. So one of the questions was about what kind of internet connection do you want? A reliable one, a fast one, a cheap one, one that had low latency or like a kind of like a fixed wireless one that you could take with you. And, and by far the biggest selection was reliable, which is shocking to me because the only way I can evaluate anything is whether it's cheap or not. That's <laughs> I, I only care about the price. But if it's not working, you, you said you switched from cable. Yeah. Because it was not reliable. Yeah. And I'll tell you that the fiber is cheaper than cable too. That was, that was another big reason to switch, but it, it turns out that it's dramatically more reliable as well. So it's cheaper and better. Mm-hmm. And faster. Right? Too. And more reliable and, and probably faster. So, yeah, what was really interesting was when we looked at the data, reliable and fast really came through. But when you look at it over age, the older you get, the more important reliability becomes and the less important speed becomes. And I think that's like a life lesson, right? In the beginning, when you're young, you like fast, maybe a little bit more than reliable, and then you figure it out that reliable is actually what, what's really important. And yeah, we were also surprised that snappy, portable, and and cheap were like scattered at the bottom. But what was even more interesting to us was when we basically look at the data, and one of the things that we pointed out was like 70% of people really care about internet, and 30% don't. And those 30% care about price more than anything. And they also are the, the ones that predominantly want to take their router with them. Probably not because they are such technophiles, but because it's cheap. You know, I paid for it and the thing works. So I want to take my router with me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's true. The A lot of the findings are pretty are pretty interesting. I thought the questions about the router were were kind of eye-opening too. And also the questions about security in there, you know, how do you view security? Is your router secure? I thought those were all pretty interesting too. Yeah, and, and here again, 70% want to have the the security package. They, they want to have it from, from their ISP. Was really, really interesting. Well, I mean, I think it goes back to almost back to reliability, right? So, I mean, if you're buying a service it needs to work, right? Like if I buy a house, I want a front door that locks, right? And if I buy internet, I, I don't want to get hacked all the time. Dan wants a cheap one. Dan wants to have a cheap one, right? Well, but but I mean, I think you you still want to be able to you know reliably use your your internet. And there's no value at, at all if you can't use it or if it's down all the time. Right. So, I mean, I think, you know, beyond just, you know, what, what the cash outlay is, being able to use it on, on a consistent basis, I think is really important. You know, the other thing I would say on the age front is, you know, when we talk about speed versus versus reliability, one of the things that really popped for me when we were running through all the numbers was that folks that are younger are using their internet connection in vastly different ways than folks that are older in terms of the number of devices they have hooked up, how much streaming they're doing. When we looked at like media consumption during the pandemic, it completely shifted for younger folks in favor of more streaming. And so, you know, you may not need, if you're just browsing the web and checking your email, uh, if you're older, you may not necessarily need that fast speed. But when you're hooking up, you know, three or four 4K TVs, like I, I do in my household, 
if they're all running at once, you want to make sure that you have enough of a pipe to be able to pull down that content all at once. So I think the use case for younger folks as it relates back to speed is, is very different as well. Yeah, I actually have a, a, a small amount of insight into that, too, because my son is 15 and he just bought an Oculus VR headset and has been playing with it nonstop. It is it is I have seen the future and it is Oculus. It is a fascinating new entry into our digital lives. And he saved his own money for weeks and and bought it himself because some of his friends had it. And now he plays on it almost every night. You know, that's, I think, where things are headed. See, that that's what I told Don when we worked together more than 10 years ago. You know, I said to him, Don, focus on AR, VR. Yeah, so to be fair, it was closer to 15 years ago. And yes, you did tell me to <laughs> focus on AR 15 years ago. So, Well, finally, I'm it's right. right. It's it almost took here. a while, but finally, I'm right. <laughs> if you're wondering the best game is where you you are a gorilla and you run around and play tag with everybody else and it's all online it's all virtual reality and you have to use your arms to swing around like a gorilla to tag somebody <laughs> as you tend tag you tagged you on the head without seeing you yeah exactly I, I i have not played yet i'm not sure that my my motion sickness will be able to handle it <laughs> Well, with, with low latency, and which is another of the hallmarks of, of fiber, you know, it might not have it. Wow, yeah, my cool. understanding is that it's the latency and the resolution are really the drivers in terms of, you know, eliminating motion sickness. I remember way, 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 probably 20, 25 years ago, they had, I, I used to call them the headache glasses on fries. They would, they would have like a Doom or Hexen or, you know, one of these old first person shooters hooked up to the, the, eyeglasses that had the shutters that would basically do like a screen refresh on on the um, using shutters on, on the eyeglasses. And it would absolutely give me a headache within two minutes every time because the refresh rate was like 15, 30 frames per second just wasn't there. Yeah, I, I bought one of the first Oculus Rifts because, you know, I wanted to see it. And I love playing games. I play a lot of games, but I couldn't because the, the device was so heavy. I didn't enjoy more than 20, 30 minutes at a time. I'm sure the new models are a lot lighter and probably better better resolution, but it, it soured me a little bit. But, you know, it's like that, that thing when the first experience isn't right, you, you wait several years to try it again. Exactly. Yeah, I think they've gotten they've gotten better and the the games are immersive enough now that part of the motion sickness is is like literally that you're you know flying around inside of you know some space and it is it's disorienting because you're you can see yourself flying around but you're just standing there but it, it certainly you know goes back to that you know the needs of the network because you know if he gets really into this he's going to want to play it at friends houses he's going to want to go out like he'll be used to that kind of an experience and depending on how the d games are designed, it's very taxing on the network, particularly on the latency side. Well, and you, you know who's, who's rumored to be developing some AR, VR stuff that also happens to be a company that's very good at kind of copying and, and refining and perfecting ideas is, is Apple, right? So right. it'll be interesting to see, you know, I know that the, the word on the street is that it's coming, but not yet, but, but soon, but, but not yet. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see when that comes out. But 
I think Apple would be a perfect player in that space to really refine and iterate on on the technology that exists. Yeah, and I think Apple wants to be sure that whatever they deliver, that it doesn't turn off people, and then they have, they wait another five or seven years until they try it again, right? So there's a lot of a lot of incentive for them to get it right rather than first. Well, also they get to dunk on Facebook or Meta if they do get it right, right? And if yeah, that's right. The pro- the real problem is that if they do come out with something that's really cool, my son will have to save up even more money and buy something else. <laughs> There you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, it's better than spending it on on other silly stuff, right? That's true. Better than vaping. Better than that. Better than on <laughs> girls and, and other <laughs> kind of entertainment. That's true. All right, gentlemen, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks, Mike, for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Roger. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.